You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Hello, Colts fans, and welcome to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. My name is Joe Hopkins. With me is Mike Chappell. Dave Griffiths is off this week. Mike, you're technically off as well, but you you know couldn't stay away. Had to phone in and do the podcast. That's the difference between me and Dave. Uh, I have responsibilities even on off days and off weeks, but you know Dave. Dave likes to do what Dave does. And Dave will do what Dave does. Mike over <laughs> here is a workaholic. Um, we've got we've got several things to talk about today. There is never a dull moment in the NFL offseason. What offseason really? Uh, we got a Colt starter announcing a retirement that comes as a surprise to many. A star wide receiver who could be on the trade bo- block will also predict which Colts make the Pro Bowl in this upcoming season. We'll start with the news and the biggest news of all. Safety Kari Willis announced his retirement this week. Uh, Willis posted a statement on social media that read in part, quote, with much prayer and deliberation, I have elected to officially retire from the NFL as I endeavor to devote the remainder of my life to further advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Willis was just 26 years old, played three seasons in the NFL after being selected in the fourth round of the 2019 draft. And Mike, this is a guy who's a big-time contributor for the Colts. Immediately, right out the gate, nine starts as a rookie, 33 starts over his three seasons. Um, The Colts are going to miss Kari Willis. What was your reaction when you heard this news? Well, we knew something was up uh, because he wasn't at any of the uh, off-season work the voluntary work or the mandatory camp where he had an excused absence. So, you know, you knew something was going on personally. And this is, you know, this is a surprise to to everyone outside the building. But this, there's not a chance that this hit uh, Chris Ballard and Frank Reich by surprise. I'm sure Kari's been keeping them in the loop and saying, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really considering this and, and good for him. I, I, I've I've talked with or I've texted Chris Ballard and Frank, and very few players go out on their own terms. I mean, they, they just don't. You know, if you stay around long enough, teams are going to tell you when it's over. Well, this this is a case where, after just three seasons, Kari decides that he there's a the a higher calling, literally. So good for him, and uh, short term which is kind of what we deal with. This is a hit. It is. He's your starter. And he's played pretty well for him. Had some injuries the last couple of years, but he's played well for him. And long-term, though, and you always have to look at the long-term, I'm not sure the Colts would have made, barring just an off-the-chart season, I'm not sure the Colts would have targeted him to bring back with that second contract. But, But the fact that he's walking away after three seasons – he is walking away from a second contract with somebody. And if you're an NFL player and you're looking for that kind of security, that that's what gets you, That is that, is that second contract, unless you're a, a top ten pick or whatever. So th- this is very clear that this is the path that, that he's chosen to go, and, and good luck to him and his family uh, moving forward. Yeah, you got to wish Kari uh, and all the Willis's the best as he – uh, embarks on a new journey, um, not prioritizing football anymore, but prior to, prioritizing his faith. 
Um, on the field, the Colts are going to miss his production. Two interceptions each of the past two seasons. Um, he was really good in the box, a very solid tackler who played well against the run. 219 tackles for his career. Also got three and a half sacks. All those came in the last two years. But the Colts, either they knew something was up from the beginning of this offseason or they were just putting plans in place knowing that they probably weren't going to spend money to re-sign Kari Willis, who's about to enter the final year of his rookie deal, because they traded up in the third round to, sign, uh, to draft Nick Cross, a player who they really like, very uh, athletic safety out of Maryland. They signed Rodney McLeod, or McLeod, I'm sorry, out of uh, uh, Philadelphia, a 10-year veteran with 120-plus starts in his NFL career. So kind of moving on and looking at this from the Colts team aspect, this is a team who put themselves in position to be ready to replace Kari Willis. Well, in further depth, you know, I think Armani Watts uh, brings that. And, and that's why it's – you did note at the time – one thing just real quick while I'm thinking about it, I, I went up and looked and Kari Willis made about $2.7 million from his rookie deal, which is, you know, that sounds like a boatload of money, but, you know, it, it, it'll at least allow him – what these deals do if players take care of it, it gives them options. It just gives them options, life options that a lot of people don't have. But, again, not knowing what was going on at the time, when we saw Julian Blackman out there practicing, you know, after blowing, that was it was yeah. it, uh, the Achilles. I, I get Achilles. Yeah, Achilles. I'm getting Achilles and Patellas mixed up. But he had the Achilles in practice. So it, it's really encouraging now, let, let, again, let, let's not say they're not going to miss Willis. They will. But they've got pieces in place that, like you mentioned, were probably long-term with Nick Cross, and now maybe he's more in the in the mix early, although I, I would think maybe McLeod moves in there. We'll see. But to see Julian Blackman out there doing football stuff, I mean, it, 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 at sort of top speed when you're seeing positional stuff, very encouraging. So I don't want to say you can walk away from a starter and not feel it, but th but they have taken moves to prepare for this. So again, they knew they knew if if it wasn't for sure early in the off season, they at least knew that Kahari was was considering this, and now they're prepared to move on. Yeah, I'm sure. McLeod and uh, Cross will be battling for the starting position during training camp, but regardless of who wins, I'm sure both players will see plenty of playing time this upcoming year. A few more uh, bits of news here to discuss. Uh, the Colts have uh, been a little bit busy signing some players who could make the roster um, and provide depth for this team. The most notable, in my opinion, is the Colts' side defensive end, Ifadi Odenibo. Good for you. Just good for you. Thank you. I, I, I looked up the pronunciation, and I did my best with that one. Uh, contract details not yet available. He is 28 years old and played four seasons in the NFL with Arizona, Minnesota, and Cleveland. And he had some pretty solid years in Minnesota. In 2019, he racked up seven sacks as part of a defensive end rotation. That earned him the starting job in 2020, uh, where he had 15 starts not as productive, three and a half sacks during those 15 starts. 
Um, last year in Cleveland, though, you know, buried behind the depth chart with Miles Garrett and uh, Jadavion Clowney. He only played about 14% of the defensive snaps. Mike, this is a guy who could p- provide depth at a very important position for the Colts. And, and, and as they always say, you, you, you can never have too many of these guys because they love to to rotate guys. That's how it was with, with Flus, Matt Everflus, and that's how it will be with Gus Bradley. So, yeah, is this a guy that's going to come in and start? Of course not. That's not what you look for. I'm sure with contracts signed this time of year, he's going to make about a million dollars. And he provides you someone who has done it as opposed to you bring in an undrafted guy that you're really enthralled with and he's never done it. Well, this guy's done it. And you're not looking for a guy to give you, you know, 40 snaps a game. You're looking for a guy to come in and give guys a breather. And I'd much, I, with all these guys we're going to talk about, I'd much rather have somebody that's done it at some level and, and, and occasionally at a pretty high level as opposed to young guys who you think have got a chance but they really haven't done it yet. Yeah, he, he, I'm sure, might be able to take the job from a, a Ben Banigou. He might get some playing time while Taekwon Lewis continues to recover. So this is someone who might see some snaps for Indianapolis this year. Another defensive end they brought in, Brian Cox Jr. Uh, he'll, he's also a guy who's uh, turning 28 this month, four seasons in the NFL, not as productive, just half a sack over his career. Uh, on the offensive side, the Colts brought in a f- Indiana Hoosier Offensive tackle Jason Spriggs, who's has five seasons under his belt, a former second-round pick of the Green Bay Packers, and should be familiar with Matt Ryan. Played last year in Atlanta, had one start with the Falcons, 10 starts over his career. Just another depth piece uh, to really up the competition during training camp. And that's what you want. Again, I can remember it was probably right around the draft, maybe pre-draft, and, and we were talking and I was talking about how Boy, there, there's so much depth that needs to be addressed. And, and when are they going to decide? When, when are they going to? And they still have, you know, receivers totally different. But offensive line, primarily after losing uh, their, their two, the two right guards in Lewinsky and Chris Reed and then Eric Fisher, you know, and, and then you lose your backups, the backup tackles, Davenport and, and uh, Sam Tevy. So it, it was, they were looking at three starters and a bunch of guys. Danny Pinter and Will Fries and guys, and all of a sudden they've got they've got bodies who have I can't harp on enough bodies who have played. You know, yeah, we're going to argue that well, you know, they've not played at super high levels, no, but they they've played, they've started, and and you know, let's see how left tackle pans out with Matt Pryor and Bernhard Raymond, and then you know maybe maybe Raymond goes over to right guard, I don't know, but then you've got Dennis Kelly. As a swing tackle, you, you've got this guy. You got Sprig as a, as a as a swing tackle. So it, it, it's just encouraging to see. I don't want to say quality depth, but but depth that's done it before, because you're going to need it. I, I keep going back that last year, they started ten different offensive line combinations. That's crazy. That's just crazy. So I, a training camp will sort of will sort of uh, shake out who's where, but they've at least got. 10, 11 guys that, that have done it and know what they're doing, and it'll make, a, it'll make a very, very competitive training camp, and that's what you want. Yeah, Chris Ballard always preaching patience, and during this time of year, you can get – there's some solid veterans out there who and, – uh, and, and, we're, and we're not patient. We no, we're not. Media, we're not. We're not – we want it now. Or we want it I yesterday. Want the, we want it yesterday. 
I want the fast food version of free agent signings. I want it immediately. Correct. Freaky fast. Um, Moving on here, Darius Leonard. We have an update on him. We seem to have an update on him about every week. But when your star linebacker is dealing with injuries in the offseason, that's what we're going to discuss. Last week, we talked about how Pat McAfee on his show explained he spoke with Leonard, who told him, Uh, from the words of McAfee, that Leonard's back surgery was to address a nerve that was affecting his ankle. Uh, Well, a few days ago, the athletic sack Kiefer kind of elaborated on this. I'm just going to quote what he tweeted uh, so that I don't misconstrue anything. Uh, Kiefer tweeted, quote, bit of clarity on Darius Leonard's surgery. The ankle injury lingered in part because of a related calf issue. Calf wasn't firing last year, and docs believe that was due to a nerve in his back, hence the back surgery. Team's be- team actually believes he'll be back at slash near start of camp, end quote. Um, you know, more pieces of information kind of come out. I, 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 Not that I don't believe Kiefer or Pat McAfee. I think they're both pretty credible sources, um, but until we hear it from Darius Leonard or the team, Part of me goes, that sounds great. I hope it's correct because you just don't know for sure. Mike, what are your thoughts on all of this? Yeah, I, I, I was privy to a lot of what Zach mentioned too, that this the, the calf was an issue last year, but it wasn't. It, it either wasn't deemed as serious or it wasn't as much on the, on the radar because the ankle was so was the issue. And they really thought that the, the surgery they had last year would help the calf, which it, it, it didn't. So the only, the only thing is, and people have written, I won't mention who it was, but a couple of people have mentioned that Frank sort of cleared things up last week. And I came away thinking it was no more clear than before because Frank sort of, and, and this is a coach being put in a difficult situation, but he sort of said, well, they're, they're sort of separate injuries to calf. Cause he, he, he first mentioned the calf last week. Remember we hadn't even been mentioned the calf and um, Zach and I kind of, exchange glances like a calf really here we go again but but it was I didn't see clarity because Frank just mentioned well it's they could be connected but they're separate and that's not clarity and the the problem I have is teams generally almost always do not like to talk injuries specifics specifics and I understand that. I, I do understand that. But there comes a time when when clarity needs to be the priority. And after what this team and the, the fan base went through with Andrew Luck and, and with Darius, and, and, and he even mentioned that, I can't remember what his quote was on Twitter about people not communicating. Remember, mm-hmm. it, this was after Frank's uh, explanation. So th- this was a case where I really, really think, and they've done it before, rarely, but they've done it, to where either either Chris or Frank or just just a press release, if that's what you want to do, to simply explain point by point what went on, how is last year, did last year impact this year, and how is what he's dealing with this year, did it linger from last year? So I, I really thought they should have cleared things up. I don't think we're going to get a lot of clarity from Darius when he talks in training camp. Maybe we will. I don't know. But the problem when you don't when you don't give 
clearly what went on. What, what, what you know, one, two, three, how did this thing progress and not get better? Remember, because at one point, uh, Frank Reich was surprised that Darius didn't practice. Or if you remember that during the voluntary, I think it was voluntary work. And so it, it was just strange. And when you don't have clarity, you just start, not I guess, guessing, speculating. So in, in this case, they really needed to come out and say, this is what went on. Back surgery, we, we think it impacted the, the ankle, which or the calf, which impacted the ankle, or, or whatever. And we didn't get it, and hopefully in training camp we will. But it's rare that a head coach is going to come out and give you much. Generally, certainly during the season, a coach has so much on his plate that I've come to realize that in their mind, if a, if a guy's hurt, he's not available. And, and specifically, the coach doesn't really – delve into why what are the specifics but in this case i thought they should have it would have been better off better off for everybody to clear it up and i don't think we got that yeah you know again we're, we're impatient we want to know what's going on with darius leonard right now the colts are under no pressure to say you know clear it up at all until training camp when players report and darius is either out there or he's not i'm sure we'll get you know uh, if not concrete answers, some kind of someone will speak on it in late July when the Colts get together and practice to get ready for the season. Yeah, um, and, and and again, my point is this isn't a this isn't the number three linebacker or or you know an undrafted rookie. This is your your highest paid non quarterback, your all pro linebacker. It's just different, and you know they're doing what they want to do and. Hopefully, you know, he either he's either ready to go to start a camp or he opens up on pup, which is certainly possible. You know that that that's always got a bad connotation that a guy was open camp on pup, but that just means you're not ready to practice yet. So we'll see. It just means for the next six weeks, you know, we'll see if Darius, you know, hits Twitter or Instagram and and shows something or other. But it's it's just it's an issue because of who it is. And what this team's been through, and the fact that I don't think we got much clarity about it. Well, hopefully, this uh, procedure on the back will help Darius immensely, and he can um, get back to full strength and play even better than he did last year, putting together an All Pro season while his calf slash ankle wasn't firing. So that's pretty impressive as it is, and hopefully, Darius can be in even better shape this year. Uh, next topic here. It's June, so let's talk some trade block rumors. Terry McLaurin, the star Washington wide receiver, is skipping mandatory minicamp as he seeks a new contract. He's entering the final year of his rookie deal, and reports are from the Washington Post that the two sides remain far apart in terms of the money on that contract. Now, Coach Ron Rivera said this week, quote, we're not trading Terry McLaurin, yet trade rumors continue to swirl. Washington drafted wide receiver Jahan Dotson, 16th overall in this April draft. And Colts analyst Zach Hitz, Hicks said on Twitter that Indy inquired about McLaurin a few months back. Uh, McLaurin's an Indianapolis native. He stated that he's a Colts fan, so I think part of that uh, is what's kind of drawing up some smoke here within Colts Nation. Mike, my question I pose to you, I guess it's a kind of a two-part question, is... Um, should the Colts trade for Terry McLaurin, and do you think it's going to happen? Or how likely do you think it would be to happen? I'd love to see him trade for McLaurin. I mean, he, he, this this kid's a quality receiver, young, again, coming just on his 
rookie contract? Do I think they will? No. I, I just certainly, you know, maybe if if they hadn't drafted Alec Pierce, maybe that's what uh, Zach Hicks was talking about that that they looked into McLaurin before the draft. You know, and just to to, to get feelers, you know, and then either Washington said, "Are you crazy?" Or they 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 said this is a package, and the Colts said, "Are you crazy?" So yeah, you certainly you, you kick the tires on all the all these guys. You just do. And what I what I what I keep I've got a default when it comes to Colts and receivers. I really do. That they're going to be a lot more like Baltimore and Tennessee when it comes time to paying receivers than they will the teams that decided to trade for these guys and are going to take on their contracts what's terry mclaurin gonna command i 20 million i don't know yeah i think the conversation starts at 20 mil a year yeah and the problem is he's a very good receiver but is he top 10 i i don't know i don't know what's going to happen next year when when michael pittman has 1300 yards this year and then he goes into his last year are the are, have the colts given us any reason to believe that they are going to join the twenty million dollar a year receiver group. I, my gut says no, only because of the way they, they've handled things. Now maybe things change when the cap explodes and all this, but you still got to come up with the money, and that means the owner has to come up with the money. So I, I, I just sort of think that that they're not going to join the, the this receiver surge and. Whether McLaurin, you know, I'd love to see McLaurin in a Colts uniform. I, I think he's a great receiver. Again, I don't know that he's top ten, but but he's still young and and, and he can ascend to that. But I just I think with what the Colts have done, they the, they they like having a group like they have. And you know, there, there was a time a couple of years ago where Frank Reich said, "Yeah, I'd like to have two, no doubt, number one receivers," but they don't. So they sort of go this route. And I, I like Pittman. I like Pierce. I don't know what's behind them. Well I, well, I know what's behind them, but a lot of question marks. So I think it's really interesting to talk about Terry McLaurin and all this, but I just can't see first giving up what it would take to get him and and then paying him $20 million a year minimum. The The Terry McLaurin conversation is really interesting to me because – this is a guy who's extremely talented, productive immediately in the NFL, going back to three years ago, his rookie season, 900 yards, seven touchdowns, 1,100 yards, four touchdowns, uh, 1,050 yards and five touchdowns last year. And, you know, maybe Washington points out those numbers and says, you're a very good receiver, but not a great re- receiver. Look at your numbers. We'll give you $15 million. And Terry McLaurin says, do you know who was throwing me the ball when I put up those numbers? Alex Smith coming off a, a shattered leg. Remarkable he came back from that, but Alex Smith was nowhere near his prime when he came back and was throwing to Terry McLaurin. Uh, Taylor Heineke, who's a great success story in terms of uh, you know an underdog who became started many games of the NFL, and then Dwayne Haskins, rest in peace. Um, you know those are you know. One of the most poor level situations in terms of 
passing for a wide receiver, and yet Terry McLaurin still put up numbers in an offense with not a lot of other weapons for defenses to focus on. I think Terry McLaurin could easily be a top 10 receiver in the NFL if he had a decent quarterback throwing to him. So I think he's saying, I want 22, 23 million. I want a AJ Brown deal where it's four years, 100 million. And I personally think that's probably what Terry McLaurin deserves because I think he's about just as good as AJ Brown. Now, saying all that, I don't see how the Colts can afford to pay Terry McLaurin um, $100 million over the next four seasons when they already are paying so many other players and have so many players yet to pay. We've talked about it ad nauseum with Quentin Nelson, with Yannick Ngakwe coming up. Kenny Moore wants a new deal. If we want to talk trade packages. There you go. One, one, one for one. Kenny, Kenny Moore for Terry McLaurin. How about that? I, I was even going to say Kenny Moore and a second-round pick for Terry McLaurin. I think that's a solid offer. But, but, but then you have to pay him. But then you have to pay him. I think that's the biggest problem, preventing the Colts from making this deal when they say, you know what, we got Jonathan Taylor, we got Michael Pittman Jr., uh, we really like Alec Pierce, and we want to be a run-first uh, offense anyway. So I think the Colts are much more likely to just stick with what they got, maybe pick up a veteran, maybe T.Y. ends up joining the team. Although the longer this goes, the less likely I see that happening. Agreed, um, agreed. Especially as the Colts, you know, they just went through minicamp. They just got to look at Alec Pierce and the rest of their wide receiver core. And if they don't sign a wide receiver between now and training camp, I don't, you know, it, it says to me that they feel pretty good about it unless someone goes down in training camp. Um, but I, I just don't see it happening. I would love Terry McLaurin back uh, in his home city of Indianapolis playing for the Horseshoe, but maybe, maybe just not this year. Well, and, and there's and there's room for when you lose one Cathedral player, Jack Doyle, you need another one. Exactly, so, that's so, how it goes. So it, it works, but 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 again, it, it's it's really cool to talk about, and I think he'd be a great a, a great addition. But but again, here's one where. I'm kind of like with you. I, I I was on the Ty train for a while, but I sort of think, and there's no there's no reason to sign him now. I mean, now as opposed to, to July 20th, he's not going to do anything between now and July. Well, he, 20th. he could he could throw with Matt Ryan because they're going to get That's together. True. They could do that, but I, I I I get the feeling that they walked away from off season work minicamp thinking, you know, these guys are pretty good. And, and Matt Ryan's going to make him better, and you have at some level. And I don't, I don't always agree with this, and I, I don't at receiver. I just don't. But at some point, a team's going to believe in their personnel people, and they're going to believe in Michael Pittman, and they're going to believe in Alec Pierce, and they're, to some level, they're going to keep their fingers crossed on Paris Campbell. That, that's all you can do. It, once again, we we see him out there, and doggone, he he catches everything. Short, intermediate, to crossing routes, some deep balls, and you just kind of think, boy, what if? What if? But you simply cannot sit here today or, or go into the season, barring an uneventful training camp, and by uneventful I mean no injuries, and and say, okay, we've got one, two, three, we got Pittman, Pierce, and, and Campbell, and then we'll see how Doolin and Strawn and Patman come together. So that that's the wild card, and that'll be the wild card until it's not. So I think McLaurin would be super, and it's great to talk about. But gosh, I just don't. I I see very little, very little chance. One, 
that they trade him, and two, that it would be here. And speaking of, you know, we just talked about how good we think the Colts feel about their wide receivers. We didn't even mention tight ends, a position in which the Colts have spent three draft picks over the last two years between Granson, uh, Jelani Woods, and then Ogletree. Uh, I saw reports that Ogletree was looking good in many camps. Um, so that that's another area. Mo Alleycox, they re-signed this year, and I saw that he uh, has been invited to Tight End University, a tight end camp that some of the best tight ends in the league, like Travis Kelsey and George Kittle, uh, great former tight end Greg Olson put on just to get the tight ends together and work on the craft. So that's good to see for Mo. Maybe he can take another step forward this year as kind of kind of the full-time starter. I mean, he's kind of been sharing with Jack Doyle the last two years. He's really the guy this year. I get there's exciting rookies, but this is a year for Mo to really step up if he wants to keep that starting position. Um, so between all that, the Colts have invested. I get not all of these are high draft picks, but they've invested a lot in pass catchers. I think they're ready to see what they got, kind of like last year with their defensive ends. Now, it did not turn out well last year when they said, we're going to go with our young guys and see what we got at defensive end when guys like me and you were harping on them to go for a veteran. But I think the Colts are willing to take that chance at wide receiver this year and see what they have. And you just hope that, that come January when the season plays out, and whatever happens, happens. That Chris Ballard doesn't say, you know, I really should. I, I'm just kicking myself for not doing more at receiver. And, and you know, that's been the case a, a few years where he, he was kicking himself for for the lack of depth at tackle and then the lack of depth at receiver. But but we'll see. I, and again, one of the things that bothers me, concerns me about the lack of returning production at receiver. You know, I keep it's it's in my head. Everybody not, not named Michael Pittman. It's 28 catches for 237, I think, seven touchdowns, I think, with those guys. I wouldn't be so concerned with that if the receiver core brought more back. Because outside of Mo Ali Cox, I think Granson had 11 catches last year. So it, it's it's the, both, both pass-catching groups ha- have proven at the very, very top and in question marks, but Hey, it, it, it gives us stuff to talk about, and, and hopefully these guys, personnel-wise, have, re- have made the right moves, and, and they need to have a couple of guys step up. Grants had had a few moments in, in off-season work in minicamp, camp, and, and he had some drops. He had one glaring drop in the end zone. <laughs> you just, it's hard to get out of your mind because, remember, he had a the, the, the reputation of drops in college. I think it was primarily one game. But uh, we'll see how it goes. Uh, I wouldn't mind still adding a veteran, whether it's T.Y., it, some, someone like that, that that's at least done it before because too many of these guys have not done it, done it yet. And we'll just, have to, we'll just have to wait and see. And to Chris Ballard's credit, I mean, you can't, you can't address every single thing. There's going to be a hole on your roster somewhere where the Colts have done a great job this offseason patching up most of the holes that we were, uh, you know, pointing out going into the offseason. It looked like a, you know, boat that was made out of Swiss cheese, and Chris Ballard did a great job of plugging up most of those holes with very good players like Gilmore and Yannick Ngakwe. So we'll see. Hopefully the young guys can step up. Uh, I can't wait for training camp where we can start getting more and more reports as they ramp up the intensity of their practices. Uh, Mike, I have a random question for you, kind of coming off the Terry McLaurin conversation. If you could take one current non-Colt 
and drop him on this Indianapolis team, who would it be? Their current contract applies. That's a good question, and and you you got me for not scanning this entire list. You tell me yours first, and give me some ideas because I didn't look at contract contract situations. It'll be it'll be it'll be, be, be a left tackle. It'll it'll be a left tackle. Okay. Like a like a Rashawn Slater from the Chargers guy just entering his second year contract's not very big yet but you know had a terrific rookie year mine would be Jamar Chase um, you know put oh, up you're, elite- going, you're going you're you're in that case shoot give me uh, uh you said with the contract give me Josh Allen I I trade him for Matt Ryan but but I I, st- I would look at position and I I would find me an affordable left tackle. Affordable left tackle. All right, yeah, I'm I'm going Chase just because it's second year. You still got you can control his contract for the next several years. And I think if you just dropped Chase on this team right now, the Colts are very very much in that Super Bowl hunt because I still think Matt Ryan uh, is good enough to win you a Super Bowl with enough around him. Really, the only question mark on this team is is there enough offensive firepower? Um, I get the the left tackle is valid as well, but I kind of feel better about uh prior uh being a solid guy at left tackle than i do about the number two wide receiver in indy and obviously jamar chase on the team would immediately become the number one you know it's funny i, I wish i'd kept the the stat that, that was out there on twitter that over the since frank's been over the last five years i guess it'd be the last four years the colts rank is it fifth or sixth in offense Scoring offense or passing? It wouldn't be passing I think offense. It was, I think the stat, I think I saw the same one as you. It was like fifth in scoring possessions. The That's number what of it scoring was. Possessions. 43%. And the leader was, whatever it was, was 48%. I can't think of who it was. So, so it just shows you as much criticism as Frank gets, some rightfully and most not, that with, with four different quarterbacks – Two that played pretty well, and two you'd say, eh, you know, we needed more. They were still, uh, I guess, the forty-three percent. It shows efficiency. Now, you know, and that takes into account, you know, the Jacoby Brissett season, which I'd had to see how it was broken down. So it, it's, I think he's gotten quite a bit out of what he's had. Now, again, like like if you had put in a a top-notch receiver, Ty in his in his prime. Or something like that, you know. What would they have done? So I think that's pretty impressive, and and maybe that reinforces the Colts' position that our way works. Which again, I don't, I don't agree. You know, getting Jamar Chase would be just crazy, <laughs> but having a guy that you're talking about like that, and that's not to slam Michael Pittman, but that's two totally separate receivers. I, I I've never seen Pittman as a bonafide game breaker I, I just haven't so uh i i think they believe their way works and then those stats from the past four years say yeah you know what we're doing you may not agree with it but it works they're putting up points now an issue beginning of the last season where a lot of those scoring possessions were field goals um you know and we're looking for touchdowns but yeah the front I've contended that Frank Wright is one of the best head coaches in the NFL I think pro football focus put out a list that listed Right as a top 10 coach, they were just doing a best coaches list. He was like number 10, 9 or 10 on that list. Um, Frank Wright is a very, very good offensive mind, schemes it up very well. And, 
you know what? If if Michael Pierce goes out there and has a great season as a rookie, the Colts can come out and say, we told you so. Our way does work. Um I saw recently Mike Clay from ESPN, his projections for this upcoming year had Mike uh, uh, or Alec Pierce. I keep calling him Mike Pierce. Alec Pierce um, was 700 yards. Now, that that would be a lot, in my I would, opinion. I would take that. I'd take that today if if he gives you 50 catches for 700 yards. I'd take that in a heartbeat. Oh, I would take that this year, next year. Like 700 y- yards is nothing to you know turn your nose up at. Obviously, we think Mike uh, Alec Pierce has potential to do more than that because he's a very athletic player who has a high ceiling. But as a rookie, that'd be great because I think we talked a couple weeks ago the over and unders, and I put it at about 500, and we were kind of iffy about that. So 700 would be great. Um, moving on to kind of the last phase of our discussion today, we're talking Pro Bowl. Last year, the Colts led the NFL with seven Pro Bowlers. Uh, Obviously, Jonathan Taylor, he got more votes than anybody in last year's Pro Bowl. Uh, Guard Quentin Nelson, center Ryan Kelly, Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner, Kenny Moore made it, uh, and long snapper Luke Rhodes as well. Mike, me and you, our jobs today are to predict which Colts make the Pro Bowl this season, and also give uh, who we think is the best bet to make the Pro Bowl for the first time in their career. I'll let you go first. Yeah, it, it's – I'm looking here, Taylor – some of these are just, yeah, duh. Yeah. You know, Jonathan Taylor, Quentin, Ryan Kelly, Leonard, Buckner. Because once you're in, once you're in that rotation, you're just going to make it. Fortunately for these guys, they've made it early in their career. Sometimes it takes you a couple of years and you don't get in until the, the next year you deserve it. But these guys, barring injury, are just they're, – they're pro bowlers. They've got name recognition. They've been successful. So that's five right there I, I named. Kenny, Kenny Moore, I don't know. I and, and, and if Kenny's listening, this isn't a diss. It just isn't. But I, I think of guys – those five, I think Gilmore's got a chance. I think Stefan Gilmore in this in this defense has got a chance. Uh boy, who else? Naga in Ngakwe, no. Grover Stewart, no. You know and since you mentioned it, which one makes his first one? Braden Smith. I think Braden Smith is on the cusp of, of, of that. Beyond that, I'm not sure who I, you know, I'm not going to Julian Blackman. I think he's going to be a great player, but not yet. So that's kind of where I am. Naheem Hines could have a really impactful season, but because of how he's used, won't have enough, you know, umph to get it done. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, Hines' best chance of making it is as a returner. You know, if he is able to take, you know, two or three punts back for a touchdown, maybe he makes it on special teams. Um, uh, my list here, obviously, I have the the guys who are no-brainers, Jonathan Taylor, Quentin Nelson, Darius Leonard, DeForest Buckner. I went with Stephon Gilmore. I think he's going to have a nice season in Gus Bradley's defense. He's a well-known name that everyone has, and I just think the chances that Kenny Moore makes it two years in a row from that slot position are – that's kind of rare. That's a, that's a rarity. Usually it's the outside guys who get more recognition – uh, nothing against Kenny. He's a terrific player, but I think Gilmore in this defense and with his name recognition, being a guy, former defensive player of the year, if he has a solid year and gets, you know, four or five interceptions, which I think is entirely possible, 
I think he'll make the Pro Bowl. I put Luke Rhodes on here just because he made it the previous year, so why not make it again? His special teamer. I'm not sure a ton of people know a lot of long snappers, so he got in last year. I, I don't have a good reason why he wouldn't get in this year. Um, that was my list in terms of – I left Ryan Kelly off the list just because – I think he's a very good center. I don't think he's a great center. He he he's and I think the chief center Creed Humphrey, who had a terrific rookie year, uh, might knock him off in terms of popularity because that Chiefs offense is very popular. People going to watch the Chiefs a lot. Creed Humphrey out there with the mullet, he's gonna he's gonna get some attention and be a fan favorite. Um, I think, in terms I think of, a, a guy I'd like to see make it is Sanchez, a punter. Agreed. I think he's a very, very underappreciated punter. They don't, you know, teams don't get a lot of return yardage. He's, he's, he's exceptional at directional punting and inside the twenty. So I, I'd hate, I'd head him to my list with Braden Smith as perhaps first timers. We'll have to get uh, Pat McAfee to start a campaign for Sanchez to make the Pro Bowl. McAfee with a very popular show and uh, always, you know, for the brand, promoting punting and those special teamers out there. My pick for first-timer, obviously on my list of who I actually think is going to make it, all those guys have made it before. If I had to pick one, Braden Smith was my runner-up, but my guy was Michael Pittman Jr., just because I think he's going to have a terrific year. I think 90 catches, 1,300 yards, and 8 to 10 touchdowns are very much in the realm of possibility, just because he's clearing away the top target on this team. Uh, I think he's going to take another step entering his third season. And I think Matt Ryan's pinpoint accuracy is going to get him the ball where he can he can make plays. Um, things working against him are there's a lot of terrific wide receivers in the AFC. Devontae Adams came over from the Packers, so he, he's got to compete with Adams now. Tyreek Hill is still in the conference. Uh, you got Stephon Diggs, Jamar Chase, Keenan Allen. I, I could keep listing names here, but there's a lot of well-known guys who are still terrific wide receivers that Michael Pittman is going to have to um, compete against. But uh, I think Michael Pittman could put up the numbers this year to get in. I agree. And, and they need him to. They, they need do. they need him to. Because what do you have? He had 1,080, whatever it was. Yeah, it was uh, just under 1,100. Which is good, but but it's not, it's not uh, you know, do the math. and it's, it's not super steady contributions and, I think he, of course, he. I think he tailed off at the end of the year because the passing game went in the dumpster. So that shouldn't, barring injury, that shouldn't be the case this year. I, I like Michael Pittman. I just, I, it's, it's terrible. We talk in the press room all the time, and I was proven wrong once. I, I it took me a couple of years to believe that T. Y. Hilton was the number one. I just, I just couldn't get myself to believe it. That's where I'm with Michael Pittman, and that's that'll be my failing if if it's not true. But I. He needs to make that that step up where it's you know ninety ninety five catches and like you said thirteen hundred yards. If he does that, he will put the ball in like like we talked early. He'll put the ball in the Colts court on on contract extensions. But that's what you want. You want tough decisions when it comes to that. Yeah, eighty eight catches last year for Pittman Jr. Probably his most impressive statistic. Um, you know, now that we're up to seventeen games, I think uh, one thousand eighty two. That's like sixty something per game which isn't which isn't crazy six touchdowns but uh, I feel like I mentioned this every podcast there were several times Carson Wentz just missed him in the end zone that easily could have been a 10 touchdown season for 
Michael Pittman. Uh, and that's my guy. I'm really high on him. I, I, I liked him even before the Colts drafted him. So I'm going to go with Michael Pittman, and I hope he proves me right. That's going to do it today for us on the Colts Blue Zone podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back next week with a brand new episode, uh, just trying to get you through the summer. I know I, I know you do, Colts fan. I miss football season two. We're going to get there eventually, uh, slowly but surely. What are we, Mike? You got it on your calendar like I do, 80-some days? Yeah, I think we. I think the Colts open training camp uh, July 25 or 26. And, and then they're busy, you hope, through the middle or the end of January, first of February. And once training camp rolls around, I mean, the NFL season comes quickly because it's just report this, report that. Oh, no, this guy's down. Contract extension here. Preseason games. We're right in the thick of it. Fantasy drafts, which, uh, you know, Mike isn't into, but we'll definitely discuss that at some point as we fill time during the June down month. Again, thank you for listening. Please subscribe, download for us. My bosses love those downloads. Uh, you can follow Mike on Twitter at mchapel 51 You can follow me on Twitter at Roto Street Joe. And follow Dave will Colts. be back next week. That's my understanding, but who, who knows with Dave? That yeah, guy, he, you know. Well, some guys just big time you. They just you know you hear you. We're down in the weeds and we're working, and Dave's sitting by a pool somewhere drinking an adult, an adult beverage. I mean, what's right about that? Yeah, you know, it doesn't seem right to me. He's over there drinking pina coladas. I'm over here drinking a Miller High Life as I mow my lawn in the 90-plus degree heat. But, you know, we, we can't all be cut from the same cloth as Dave. That's right. So. So, so there are worker bees, and then there's, you know, there's Dave. That's right. That's right. So uh, follow the Colts Blue Zone on Twitter, at Colts Blue Zone, and we'll see you next week, Colts fans.